Ryan McManus, and you were listening to the Batter Ready Podcast. And I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. It's so good to see you today. It's good to be here today. It's uh, uh, been a crazy week already, but it's uh, good to be alive. It is 12 noon on Monday when we record this podcast, mm-hmm. and so much has happened over the weekend. We got to dive into some things. Where do you want to go first? Well, I let's just go through some hot topics. Let's talk about the world, yeah? All right. Okay, so first things first, or maybe last things last, Brady comes out of retirement. I that's knew that's Tom where you were going to start. That's I my guy. That's, where you're that's my start. guy. The world is on fire. That is my guy. about Tom Brady coming out of retirement. The world is on fire. We needed a little bit of hope. <laughs> right. We needed a little bit of hope, and Batman was hopeless. No, no, no. We'll get to Batman in a minute. Let's start with Tom Brady. Yeah. We'll start with Tom Brady. Tom Brady comes out of retirement. So my first question is, are you surprised at all? I knew he I guess, would never guess, leave Absolutely it. not. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised at all. In fact, um, I was surprised when he retired. I felt he was almost pressured to retire. And um, I, I believe him that he's trying to factor in family and everything else like that. I believe him. But he just, he still has that, that fire in his eyes where he believes he's the best in the world. He is the best in the world. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers must be so mad. Signs the biggest contract. That's an ego contract. He signed $200 million for four years. Is that what it is? It's huge. That's fine. $200 million, four years, probably go to the playoffs every year except for one. He'll get injured and then he'll retire being super wealthy and realizing he never achieved the potential that he could have. So on the record, you don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to win another Super Bowl? I do not. No, I am saying Aaron Rodgers, we can we can come back to this later on. We'll archive this. Aaron Rodgers will not and will never win another Super Bowl. Austin, what do you say? I agree. Wait, the only side stipulation is unless he is playing backup quarterback for Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, that's what? kind of cold. That's kind of cold. He's used to the cold. He plays in Wisconsin. I, I, you know, I know Aaron. I consider him a friend, so I'm not going to say I don't. anything. I know me. <laughs> Do you mean and me? I don't. And even if I did, even if I did, I'd say it to his face. I'd say it to his face. I bet you, you wouldn't. I'm, I, if you he, bet I wouldn't? No. If he showed up, you'd go, hi, Aaron. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm your namesake. <laughs> Heck no. I'd be like, I love Green Bay. I love Green Bay, and yes. I wish they had sent you what is the comparison to like the orlando magic in football the browns the browns i wish they sent you to the browns six years ago when you complained about your contract this is a team owned by the people for the people and you're not the people and by the people (laughs) and uh, it is yeah well you know i am i i i loved when i was in green bay i loved the times i got to speak to the team they didn't even know that second time you spoke i went the third time was bad yeah bad yeah, it's crazy. You, you could feel the culture dissipating. Dissipating. And yeah. Where does culture set? Yeah. Usually by, by its leadership, right? Um, yeah. And usually it's it's the quarterback and the coach. Um, but the first time was different. And and I could I could feel something shifting over the years in terms of the way the team related to each other. Enough about Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady's back, the real Batman. <laughs> Legends never die, and Tom Brady apparently will never retire. I, I am actually so excited that he's back. Oh, I'm so excited. Even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, it just makes pro football more interesting. It elevates the game. Every other quarterback has to be on edge uh, because you thought that the mantle had been left in the room for someone to pick it up. And Tom just said, nah, I was just taking a quick shower, <laughs> getting no, a yeah, steam, yeah. getting a facial. I am back. Just <laughs> Give kidding. Give me my mantle back. <laughs> he call, he's calling Gronkowski. 
Who else is going to come back? LeBron James might switch sports. <laughs> See, that's one of the things about Tom Brady. It, no matter whether you like him or not, people want to play with Tom Brady. Yes. And, I, and I don't know if they want to play with other athletes that are as Just talented. Just say his name. Well, I would, Rogers. Say, I would say the same thing. It's almost like I feel like Aaron and LeBron are almost in the same category to me a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but then, but, you, but, except the, LeBron's been to the this, finals many times. If, if you're not that into sports, just hang in there. We're getting there. We're, we're getting there. We're getting to the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But the whole Seattle, uh, the whole Seattle Russell trade to the Broncos, that's some Peyton Manning energy, and I just don't really think it's going to – I think he's not going to win a Super Bowl. In Denver? In Denver. Yeah, wow. no. He's gotten his two yeah. – I don't think he's going to get another well, one. Well, he won one, lost one, but he's been there twice. I thought, I thought he No, remember the last play when Pete Carroll insisted times. on throwing it on the one-yard line and instead of giving it to, to oh. the best running back in all of pro football. Yeah, and that to me is – that play typifies arrogance at the highest level where a coach doesn't, Knows, yeah. doesn't want the player to get more credit than, quote, he deserves. Uh, there's, to me, that, that is the psychology of losing – unwrapped in one play okay <laughs> and, uh, but there's principles we can we can pull from all of this yeah. elon musk challenges vladimir putin thank you so much to single combat stakes <laughs> are ukraine i had not heard that till you he tweeted it in and russia Tass mentioned that this morning yes all right so he so let me understand this yes he's challenging putin elon musk. to a physical battle like, is it a gun duel or no, a... No, a one-on-one -on -one single combat. The stakes are Ukraine. Right, but in single combat, don't you usually choose a weapon? Like swords or... No, I think single combat means like UFC one-on-one, -on -one, Vlad versus our man Elon. <laughs> I've just never thought of Elon as a physical specimen. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's been putting. <laughs> I mean, he's in Texas wrong? now. I mean, maybe you know, he's he's kicking the bag with Joe Rogan. I mean, Elon, I think is almost like the evolutionary transition where you're almost all brain. <laughs> I think it's a it's a. But here's the thing. This was my this was this was my hypothesis, my theory. All right, was that Elon will get him one on one and tap like his wrist and turn into Iron Man <laughs> with a little Tesla glowing centerpiece, and then it's over, and then we've got him. Ukraine has been won. <laughs> I'm not trying to make light but, of Ukraine, but I am making light of this tweet. Well, is that Elon's way of just trying to stir the pot and let Putin know that he's making a fool of himself? I think Elon yeah. likes to smoke weed <laughs> and, and tweet things. Like, I think that's honestly what he got in trouble for with Joe. Because <laughs> he got in a lot of trouble on Joe Rogan, right, when he did that? Yeah, there was some backlash. Did you hear? Did, I listened to the second one that he, or the one that he did after that, and he's like, "My people said I'm not allowed to drink with you or, or do drugs." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I'm supposed to behave," and he's like, "Why?" And he's like, "Cause last time it didn't go well for me." <laughs> but okay. talking about drugs, we we are, <laughs> are we talking about I drugs? <laughs> I I got a DM from a guy on, right. on Battle Ready, mm -hmm. and he's asked questions. Um, he, he actually asked a previous question a while back asking about how can you defend yourself against uh, critique and ridicule? And I responded, but he, he did me this topic idea, near death experiences, as well as ayahuasca journeys. <laughs> what is ayahuasca, Brooke? Is that like a form of a mushroom? It's a psychedelic. Yeah. Psych but like, what is, is it like a soup or like a, I... like a root? <laughs> it's a plant-based psychedelic. 
a plant. So it's organic. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's healthy. So, so he, he goes on to say this. <laughs> both seem like they've been genu- genuine spiritual transformational for those that have experienced them. Just finished Will Smith's book and he talks about ayahuasca at the end. He comes to an understanding of his infinite life's value and beauty of the soul. I've never heard pastors talk about this. I know there's a lot going on, just an idea. Thanks for doing the show. One, I like it. I also like that it's super fringe and why would we ever talk about (laughs) ayahuasca on this thing? Well, it seems to me that uh, First Nation people have been using organic psychedelics for vision quests for centuries. And, and so it that makes sense why they're writing comic books on. It's a drink. It's a drink. It's a drink. Oh, you, you put the herbs in the drink. Do they sell it at Air One? <laughs> it's probably in your cup right now. No, it's <laughs> cafe. Uh, and it's funny because I've talked to people who are um, pioneers in the um, study of psychedelics with mental health and PTSD, and and uh, there are people who just absolutely swear on the power of psychedelics to help people work through post-traumatic yeah. stress disorder and other yeah. um, issues like depression. And um, Actually, I remember the first case I ever, the, the first time I ever heard of ayahuasca was a, uh, an older friend of mine. Uh, he was addicted to heroin for a long time and they sent him down to South America to do like an ayahuasca treatment. I, I don't, I don't, I, and he says he came back, you know, clean. But I mean, to go do drugs, to get off drugs is very interesting. Right. But he's addressing using ayahuasca for spiritual experiences. Yes. I guess Will Smith talks about in his book uh, how an ayahuasca trip or experience led to understanding the value and beauty of the soul. Right. And I would say to Will and to anyone else is that if you need a psychedelic to have a spiritual experience, your spirit is in bad shape. That um, you should not have to have a psychedelic to have a profoundly transcendent spiritual experience. Uh, that is actually supposed to be the outcome of the most healthy version of yourself. And, and so I, um, I, I would be concerned that people are confusing mirages with oasis. Uh, a, psychedelic, psych, a psychedelic experience can feel like a spiritual experience, but it's a mirage. Um, a truly spiritual experience is transcendent and transformational. It changes who you are as a human being uh, in terms of your character and uh, your priorities and your values. Interesting. Yeah. That's, 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 well, we're moving on. (laughs) Elon Musk, hopefully he's not doing ayahuasca and tweeting at the same time. (laughs) Uh, Gas prices are high. I filled up my car. Mm -hmm. I drive an SUV. I filled up my Uh, car. A hundred. I have have an electric car. (laughs) A (laughs) hundred. I just plugged my baby in. She's fully charged. The uh, gas crisis is not my crisis. Look, my, <laughs> I, <laughs> if I, <laughs> my car, $130 in gas, 20 gallons. You know what I did when I got home? I dusted off my bike. Ate <laughs> <laughs> hey, popcorn for dinner. Dusted, ate popcorn for dinner. Ate ice, dusted off my bike. This, your man's about to be biking around West Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood for the next six months. So I'm gonna, let's call this uh, the Biden tax. <laughs> well, this is an interesting conversation because um, there's so much swirling around inflation and specifically gas prices. One, okay. uh, Pete Buttigieg basically says, hey, if you're Pete, having- Pete Buttigieg? Yeah, if you're having problems with the gas prices just by electric car, uh, assuming that the millions upon tens of millions of Americans who 
are driving late model vehicles could afford an electric vehicle. Yeah. And so it's one, it tells me that there are a lot of people in Washington who are completely out of touch with the everyday American. And I have the privilege of being able to afford an electric vehicle. Yeah. And uh, I do not. No. And, but even uh, if I could, and, I, and, I, I and fully, we're related. <laughs> well, I saved yeah. up during, oh, yeah. I, like, you know, yeah. I, I got I got a new car during COVID. Yeah. And my, my le- I, I knew I needed, well, my, my car before had gotten beat up pretty bad. And I was like, mm-hmm. I got to sell it. Used car sales were going through the roof. Right. They, re- they reached out. Yeah. Like, we'll give you all of this money for your car. I was like, I, I, this, is, this is only going, this yeah. is the best situation. I could not afford an electric car, but I couldn't, but even if I could, I couldn't afford to put like the whole electrical system, the charging system. Right. My you, house isn't big enough. You can't drive in LA. There's not enough no. places to charge your car. So I'm not going to go yeah. to your house to charge my car. You would <laughs> charge me to charge my car at your house. That inflation's <laughs> too high. The Irwin tax. No, but really like LA, LA has great uh, charging stations. You're almost yeah. better off if you're in an apartment building because mm. they have like apartment systems in, mm. you know, in the garages. Yeah. But I, I have, you know, I have a, a house with no garage. So where am I going to put it? You yeah. know, but I've had, I would have to tell you, I've been stuck. You know, there have been places where, uh, I've, I'm out of juice and I can't get to a station. To, I've you had know, to pick and, you up before. <laughs> and I've had, you know, crises. The, the world is not ready for electric vehicles. I can tell you that. I, we've, I've definitely and, had moments with, with, with my buddy, Kevin, where we have both have your app on the Tesla app on, on our, on our phone. And and we'll see. You'll get a text from me being like, hey, guys, I might be stranded in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, I'm picking him up. Or one of us will be, who's closer to him? It's a problem. I mean, I was down towards San Diego and I was scrambling forever trying to find a place to find the right charging station. And um, it, yeah, I, I, one, it's not even realistic to say everyone should buy electric. The lines to charge your car would be 10 hours long. In, in and we, we, we're outrageous. not ready for that. No. And um, you can't solve a problem by creating a I, bigger problem. Right. And, you know, it's, and, and so that's the first thing is that we're not, if, if today, if everyone said, yes, let's go to electric, it would, be, we would not be able to do that. We don't have the infrastructure to support an entire nation on electric vehicles. Secondly. It's the same issue with gas. Yeah. And then when, here in California. when President Biden highlights Ford and, um, yeah, I can't even remember if it was Chrysler for their investment in electric vehicles and ignores Tesla. It, it tells yeah, me was... there's there's just something off in the um, either an understanding of economic development of, or the power of entrepreneurism or or even how capitalism works in democracy, trying to highlight the people who are following, not leading the way. So in 2019, Joe Biden, president, well, he wasn't president then, I guess. Mm-hmm has this moment at a press conference that he he was addressing, I guess, the media when he grabs like a young, I guess, uh, environmentalist and looks her in the face and says, look me in the eyes. I will end the sale of fossil fuels in America. Yeah. So this is why I call it the Biden tax. Well, all this to say, um, when I hear the White House saying the gas prices are up because of the war in Ukraine, the answer is, no, that's actually not accurate. We were only, I think we were only dependent 7% on Russian oil. It's less than 10%. And on top of that, inflation had been escalating before the war in Ukraine. Gas prices had been exploding before the war in Ukraine. Uh, yes, the war in Ukraine uh, accentuates the problem, um, but it is not the problem. Right. 
And which I started thinking about how this is an interesting um, fallacy where you have an after the fact, where you try to put the cause um, before the effect when actually the effect created a new cause. Unwrap that for me. Yeah, it's, um, you have something else caused inflation and it's connected to President Biden's economic decisions, whether we like it or not. And, nah. and, and then afterwards you have Ukraine. And so you try to pretend that the Ukraine crisis actually happened before the inflation crisis to mm -hmm. say that was the cause, but it came after the effect. So it's not the cause. And, um, and most people are not always paying attention to, um, to logistics or to, um, to the, the order in which things happen. And so if they can hear long enough, you're experiencing inflation because we're defending Ukraine or you're experiencing inflation because we're of not Putin. defending Ukraine. We're not. That's, but, the, uh, that's the irony, right? There's a, there's, there is obviously a war going on in Ukraine. Yeah. But, but we're but, apparently not involved. No, but we do have sanctions now. And so, but just say, well, the American people, if we're for freedom, need to accept inflation because inflation is a result of us sanctioning Russia. I'm going, that just simply isn't true. And if, if you pay attention to the order in which things happen, you'll know it isn't true. It's trying to, it is trying to bring a cause before an effect when actually that um, effect is after the effect that we're trying to deal with. Saying, no, they're trying to bring an effect before the cause, essentially. Yeah, they're, they're trying to say, this war created this crisis, but the crisis existed before the war. Right. And so the, the, the relationship between that effect isn't there. Okay. And um, yeah, it, it's even a lot of times when um, people talk about like why marriage ends. And um, the the fact is that you, you, your relationship was broken, but the cause could have been that you had an affair, you, you, you know. And, and you're 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 trying to say the effect of something else, or um, the the cause could have really been that you were uh, no longer um, close, and then an affair happened, and it looks like that's the cause, but the affair was really a part of the effect. And it's the same way on a, on an economic or on a global scale. Everyone's uh, been there, right? You're looking yeah. for a reason to blame the end yeah. of something, whether it's a situation or the cause of something on a, on a specific event. You're waiting for it. You know you want out, and you're waiting for the thing to happen. Yeah. And it's, this was this was this inflation idea. But when I hear the White House saying, um, "No, no, no," giving away all this stimulus money and um, raising taxes and um, and and really discouraging people from going back to work, that these have no effect on inflation. It just isn't real. And you, you may agree 100% with Biden's economic philosophy. Just accept the fact that his economic philosophy has created out-of-control inflation and out-of-control gas prices. That is the price you pay for a particular economic philosophy. Well, and, didn't, didn't the CDC basically just say, just kidding? About like, masks? Yeah, about masks. Like, it doesn't... On CNN, you sent me a clip. Yeah, I mean, I, I was shocked when I was watching CNN and CNN basically said, uh, yes, um, trying to force children to wear masks in school uh, is not scientific. There's no scientific uh, validation. It is a non-scientific decision. And I kept hearing the expert from CNN saying this going, wait a minute, for two years, you've been telling us this is what science is telling us. And I know I had a more private conversation with the CNN um, uh, executive um, who acknowledged that the reason there has been a focus on masks for children in schools has nothing to do with COVID, has nothing to do with safety, um, has nothing to do with protecting children, has everything to do with the teachers' unions. Um, 
but there hasn't been honest journalism to deal with the fact that it's a teacher's union that um, they're trying to appease, not protect children or protect their grandmas. And the whole narrative that if you don't wear a mask in second grade, you're killing your grandmom, the psychological weight and trauma on children to hear something like that, rather than saying your teacher is afraid and she doesn't want to come back into the classroom. I mean, that, that's, that, that's, I, I think it's really appalling. The reason why we're talking about masks is this. Mm -hmm. Masks have just been pretty much nullified in all of Los Angeles, which has been nice. Mm -hmm. Coffee shops, movie theaters, where else? Restaurants. Right, but this weekend shape, I saw uh, a woman running. Arena, I, saw, arena. I saw a young woman in her 20s running with her dog, wearing a mask outdoors while she's running. And I, and I cannot understand. Um, well, I just go, wow, this is what fear does to people. This is, yes. the, this is the irrationality of pretending you're making decisions based on science rather than fear. And people are afraid. And, yeah. I know, and if you're listening and you're like, you're in Texas, you're in Alabama, you're in Georgia, you're in Florida. You don't understand. You've lived, well, no, but we want to help you understand it. And I think, I hope that you can, even though you can't maybe uh, understand it firsthand, you can see it through our eyes, that to think that this is the week, this week, March 14th, this <laughs> week, we are, yeah. not, we are not having masks anymore. Yeah. Like I'm just now seeing people's faces. For the first time. For the first time. People that have been giving me coffee or yeah. serving me in restaurants. In fact, one of your friends. One of my friends at the gym. You didn't even recognize that she didn't have her mask on. You said, did you do something to your hair? Yeah. And she looked at me and was like, I don't have a mask on. And I was like, oh my gosh, because she works at the gym. And I hadn't seen her face since I'd been going to the gym. It's yep. crazy. Okay. So talk about masks. Over the weekend, Kyrie Irving has to buy a courtside ticket in Madison Square Garden to watch his team, the Brooklyn Nets, play the New York Knicks. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. He had to buy a ticket. He had to buy a ticket. Nah, is that true, Austin? Deny or confirm? I mean, the Nets may have comped him, but, but he, he but wasn't, wasn't okay, on the court. But he, was he wasn't ticket. sitting, he wasn't at, sitting on the with bench. the team. No, Correct. He wasn't okay, wearing a mask because they, don't, no, because they don't require masks in MSG anymore. But he's not wearing a mask, but he can't play. How <laughs> absurd. He had to he's pay not, for it. He paid for his ticket. He's fine. He's not short of money, but he can't play <laughs> home games and he can't play away games in New York. So he was right. He plays for Brooklyn. They're playing in New York. So everyone else in the arena can wear, doesn't have to wear masks. He doesn't have to wear masks. He doesn't have to wear a mask, but he cannot play because he hasn't been vaccinated. But now they're like pulling back all of these, the, the laws and saying, it's okay if you're not vaccinated for so many different things, but he can't play basketball, but he can watch but, basketball. What's even crazier basketball. is that, well, I don't know how you get crazier than that, but he cannot play because he lives in New York. But another player from another team can play in New York against if he's not vaccinated, Nets, even if he's not vaccinated, but because he's and from not out wearing of town. a mask because he's from out of town because COVID doesn't travel across states. Well, it doesn't. Well, it, <laughs> COVID only happens. It only spreads if you run and breathe heavy. Because him sitting there. Doesn't do anything to ever to anyone. But this is the insanity. I, I, I this hope, is absurd. I hope people can realize that this has become so political that it's not scientific, it's not rational, it it's to the point of absurdity. And we as a society need to pay attention to this because there are long term effects, not just to COVID. There are long term effects to stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when are you, you laughing back there, Brooke? We can't hear you. Oh, yeah, that was funny. That was good. Well, we talked a lot about this because, you know, w Mosaic 
is a is a huge part of our lives mm -hmm. and it's packed now mm -hmm. it's packed it's so full i did get a dm on battle ready that said can you please actually it was to my personal i think i think i had posted about church and then someone dm and said hey love mosaic love battle ready love everything you guys do but like can you tell me why you guys only do one gathering and and i think she was like maybe offended I'm not sure. It's she wanted to know. I don't know. I didn't respond yet. I haven't responded yet. It was yesterday, and I I read it out loud in the car with Austin. I was like, yeah, because there, no one was coming. <laughs> no one no one wanted to come because we were like, hey, you can wear a mask if you want. Well, to. Why isn't one enough? Well, I think maybe she's asking like, is there a strategy behind it? Yeah. Until so you can't see any concrete on the floor anymore, then we'll open <laughs> up to the second one. You know, and 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 that's not my decision. That's yeah, well, we're 120 percent full. Yes. Well, until, yeah, until it's like impossible to park, which it's hard to park. Well, I think some of it before um, the quarantine, you know, we had a hundred different services and we just gave people so many options. Yes. And which gather you could come to. And now I'm like, no, we're going to give you one great gathering in each location and you can choose to come. Yeah. You can choose to like, come. Everything it, doesn't have to be about convenience for you. But also, we make it so convenient. You yeah. can watch every gathering yeah. on our, on the YouTube, on the pot. You can listen to yeah. it on the podcast. I I would I would maybe make the argument that watching you on YouTube, you looking directly into the camera, feels more personal than me being in a room. Me being in a room is more communal, but more personal is you looking at the camera, speaking directly to me, and it's such a great experience. I had a friend fly in from Toronto. We met up for coffee on Friday. He's a new friend. And he was like, yeah, how do you go back? Because I, he's like, I'm watching Mosaic on YouTube and I love it because they're looking at us. He's looking right at us. I feel so engaged. But there is something interesting too in the way people relate to church. Okay. Because I don't think you would be DMing the president of Chick-fil-A going, hey, why aren't you open on Sundays? Yeah, he's a, he's a bad example, but maybe a good example. No, or, or you wouldn't be Texting the president I'm sure of, he gets hate. in and out Burger going, hey, why aren't you open an hour later? It's only it's only a church life that people DM and tell you how you're supposed to be uh, running your, your, your running yeah. organization. Yeah, this this guy, <laughs> this guy has an opinion. Like someone DM me going, hey, I'd like to meet. I have all these ideas and um, and strategies for you. And I'm like, why would I want to meet with you when you just show up one time and yeah. You have ideas from Mosaic. Oh, those are my favorite ones. My favorite, my favorite ones growing up. Now I just don't, in, I just don't engage those people. Earn the right to be heard. You want to give me ideas yeah. for my brand? You know what? I was at a, I was at a, I was at a dinner party, a birthday party that was like a dinner party on Saturday night, mm -hmm. and uh, a guy showed up. This guy named Eric Poon, incredible person. He he was he. I think he worked on Grailed and the, the, the grilled project for a long time. And now he's kind of doing other stuff. But he was like, hey, I love what you're doing with Pagan. Um, I want to help. Oh, I'm I, wearing one of the new Pagan yeah. hoodies. What right can now. I do? Mm -hmm. And this guy, I mean, I, I've just heard legends about him. He's incredibly intelligent. He has such a great, and he offered, he's like, hey, I was like, hey, could you take us to lunch and we could pick your brain? He's like, yeah, I would love to. You know, and I'm going, that's someone I want their help from because he, I know what he's done. Yeah. He supports the brand. Yeah. He's always he's always giving like he's always supporting, encouraging. He's always you know like mm -hmm. he, he backs it with friendship. You know what I mean? Before yeah. he ever offers to help, I've known him for a little bit now, and now he's going. You know, we've hung out a bunch of times, and now it's like, hey, we've served together. Hey, would you guys like any help? Could I offer anything? Yeah. How can I support you guys? And also his posture is, how can I support you? Yes, yeah, very different. How can I serve? Yeah, like how can I help yeah, you guys blow this help. thing up? Yeah, you know, and and so 
Uh, but in, I don't know what it is. Is it about, is it because the church is it because, is there like a personal arrogance with people who just go, let me teach you how to do everything right? Yes, there is. Yeah. But clean, clean the bathrooms. But please. let's keep moving. What? Let's keep moving. Um, okay. No, no. So what are we going to get into? Oh, we're going to talk about. Let's just go. You want to go into, I don't, it's stressful. Yeah. But let's just talk about it for a minute. Let's not be, you know. Um, well, the title of this episode is going to be don't say gay. No. What? Why? Because that just creates so much volatility right up front with people. But I love gay people. I love all people. Yeah. But when you use something as a title for the show, you're just trying to create. I, I, I guess I don't really do well leading with, with like with contention. The hooks. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. like the hooks. I don't like the hooks. You know, I, I know hooks would grow our podcast. You I don't know, like clickbait. I know, I know that it would increase our audience. Um, I'm actually all for trying to bring people together rather than tearing people apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I do think the Florida situation with Don't Say Gay is, uh, it definitely should be addressed. And and uh, and for me, there should be some clarification because I first learned about it since it sounds terrible. It sounds like I'm the most uneducated person in the world, but I, I learned about it first on Saturday Night Live. Oh, did you? Yeah. I didn't even know. And uh, and so there was, there was this whole... Um, uh, weekend weekend update moment okay. about the don't say gay in Florida, and so okay. I assumed that somehow they were passing a state law that um, you could not ever in school from first to twelfth grade come out and acknowledge that you're gay, and that it, it was a very anti-gay kind of movement. Yeah, um, Bill, and so I was like, oh, why would Florida do that? And I was, I guess, probably I was kind of upset going to Santos. This is a really bad move you know yeah. i also thought i, I it yeah. felt like to me initially when just yeah. hearing the headline i was yeah. like oh no they're trying to one-up texas abortion law yeah and being like the uber conservative and it yeah. made i was like no this is gonna be so bad so i was really upset everything. and um and i would have never supported it the way it was communicated yeah and then i find out that the actual bill is targeting kindergarten through third grade not allowing schools to teach sexual identity and gender change and um, yeah, to, to children. To essentially four-year-olds to seven-year-olds. Yeah, year four, olds. five, six, seven-year-old kids yeah. and saying that it's not the school's responsibility to educate our children on their sexual orientation by the age of seven. Right. And I'm like- Or, or four. Or four. four. That, that's really like, this is crazy. because yeah, And I'm going, I agree with that. See, I, I cannot disagree with that, Bill. I, I think that, that parenting should be left to the parents and educating should be left to educators and parents. Parents should still be educating their kids. Right. And that um, shifting from math and, and reading and writing and um, to quote all of these agendaed issues of social structures right. um, is making our educational system um, an enemy of parenting. Hmm. And I don't think a teacher should ever know something a parent doesn't know. Hmm. And, and, and by the way, in totalitarian societies, children are seen to belong to the society, not to the family. To the system. They belong to the system. So they should be educated by the institution. And so this idea that, no, um, our children belong to all of us, which I've actually heard some really powerful uh, Democratic leaders say recently, and it seems inclusive, but it's actually destructive. Going, um, 
you know, our children belong to our society. No, uh, my children um, are to be parented by me. Okay. And um, I don't need a second grade teacher or a kindergarten teacher telling my daughter or my son, you may not know whether you're a boy or a girl. You, 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 know, you won't know, or you may be several, or, 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 or you may be they and them. Or, and um, I think we're actually shattering the human psyche at a really young age. And we don't understand the importance of, of um, emotional development in children. And so I know I don't think schools should be taking that responsibility on. I don't think the bill is attacking um, the right to have complete freedom and rights in the gay community. Um, I, I do think that schools should not be taking on that role, especially when a child is five years old. Yeah, no. So a four-year-old doesn't need to be, it's pre, we've talked about this a lot, right? Because I think we, I think one, I want to preface this because I think the first question, no, I know the first question I get from so many friends that I meet out or through my friends or friends, they always ask. I mean, even my, like my, one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, uh, that, that, that we do life together every weekend. You know, one of the first questions he always asks, like, does, does Mosaic love gay people? And I, and I'm when I'm like one, I'm not Mosaic, but I, but I'm a part of Mosaic. I've Mosaic has always treated everyone with love and kindness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And but th there's also been we've also stood up for you know mosaic's also stood up for itself. You know, mosaic is in person. Mosaic is is a community. Yeah. And I'm like I, I don't know anyone who's ever treated gay people um, harshly or unkindly. Um, my experience. And everyone is welcome, and everyone's welcome to go on a faith journey. And so, and I think that's really hard. There's also there's obviously uh, complexities. Mm -hmm. You know, and and so you know, it becomes like a political thing. It becomes a, a social political thing, and a cultural kind of pressure to be to come out and say these things yeah. or have a have a flag or have you know. Mm -hmm. We live in a in a complex city, and so and 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 a city with a lot of social pressure, right? Yeah. To say certain things. If you don't say a certain thing, then you must be opposing, right? And we've talked a lot about that in the yeah. past. That if you're not for something, doesn't mean you're not against it. It just means no. And the moment someone tries to force me into a political position right. or some ideological in distinction, I become rebellious. I do yes. not like being bullied yeah. in any way. Yeah. And, um, but, but I mean, one, I wonder one, where I got that from. One of the great challenges is that um, when you're doing like church life, you have to speak into people's lives about their character. And you have to speak into people's lives about, you know, whether they have integrity or being dishonest or been, being manipulative or being, you know, yeah. uh, greedy, depending on the level of leadership. And and one of the challenges is if a person's straight and you say to them, hey, you're you're a really manipulative person in your relationships and this is unhealthy, you're dealing with the manipulation. But in our context right now, if a person's gay and then you say, hey, you're being really manipulative and it's destructive in your relationships, now it can be seen as anti-gay. And and in a spiritual context, you're always helping a person work through life transformation and character issues and moving toward wholeness. And um, like a person can be straight and be an arrogant jerk. Exhibit A. You know, Me. and a person can be gay and be- Not so much now, but I think I've worked on it. Yeah. But I think I was. But yeah. And, yes. But when I look at you and if I say to you, you're an arrogant jerk, you, you know it's not because I'm attacking your sexual identity. No. But if you happen to be an arrogant jerk and you're gay, yeah. 
and I say, you're an arrogant jerk and you need to work that through, then it's like, well, you're just, you're just attacking me because I'm gay. And you don't so accept one, me anyways. Right. And so one of the great challenges yeah. is that you can have people in a spiritual environment like a church life and they can get offended. But it, and you can then make it look like it's over an issue or an agenda. Right. You know, it, uh, it's just like, you know, there have been many times in my life I, I've been mistreated and it have been easy to go, oh, it's because you hate Latins. But sometimes I go, ah, no, it was just because you hated me. It wasn't because yeah. I was Latin. <laughs> it was yeah. just, yeah. it was just me and you didn't, didn't work out. Didn't work out. And, but going back to this situation in Florida and, and maybe there are nuances I don't understand, but, um, I do think that parents are sick and tired of the public school system believing that they have more rights to develop their children than parents do, especially up to the age of seven or eight or nine years old. Yeah. And, um, and when should that conversation? Parents want safe environments for their kids. Yeah. Straight parents and gay parents. Yes. Want no. safe environments for the kids. Parents, just, yeah. in gen just parents yeah. want safe environments for kids. I do think it's, we, we've talked about this a lot. It, it's a pre-sexualization and of children in our society and in our nation. And I think it's really unhealthy. When should that conversation happen? Because I think on the other side, you have a lot of Christian families that never talk about sex in their, in their, in their homes. So then you have this, this shame culture. They don't know their body parts. They don't know their sexuality. They don't know, right? And then you have this shame connected to their sexuality in any which way. And so you kind of have, you have the far right has no conversation oftentimes and the far left has too much conversation or, or maybe the wrong conversation. So when, do you, when is the right time to have the conversation? And, you know, because I remember I went to a Christian school and in the same year, I transferred to an, a, a different, my transfer, I got kicked out for fighting and then got, um, <laughs> got a, a mandatory transfer to a school that wasn't, that was just normal. It was just, it was connected to a university and they were just very liberal. And in that same year, I went from not learning about sex ed to going to, to learn about sex ed in like the sixth grade. And I think in like the, the, the Christian school system, they wouldn't have taught me till eighth grade, ninth right, grade. But you did much better than that other system. I did. I thrived. Yeah. But they also did it in a way that felt natural. And yeah. they did it in a way that felt, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable. I was like, oh, okay, we're having open and honest conversations mm -hmm. about our bodies and our, our humanity. And it was weird watching a baby being birthed on a video. <laughs> better than it being in person. <laughs> My legs still go numb talking about it. But when is the right time? Is there a right time? And how do we actually... I don't have children, but how do we uh, curate a society in which we are having healthy sexual conversations, you know, for children, adults, like, you know, when's the right time for that process to happen? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, you need to realize that we're in a time where our society has premature exposure to children it's, it, about it's sexuality. In, it's insane. And this is is that a uh, natural state? Because like one thing I've noticed, like, you know, I grew up a little bit outside of LA and then moving to LA, all of the people were way more sexualized yeah. early, like 13, like 14, 13, 14, 15. Whereas like, I felt like I was growing up in the suburbs a little bit, still in LA, but the suburbs of LA, and I felt like the conversation was so different, so much slower paced. Mm -hmm. you, know, how, you know? Yeah, I think it's different in different environments. Okay. Um, I think that most likely your kids if you're listening, are getting exposed before you talk to them. Right. So I, I, I just think that you need to pay attention to what they're being exposed to and have conversations as they're naturally developing. But the, the, it's different 
because it's so nuanced. You're not just talking to them about sex. Our society is trying to talk to them about not just sex, but sexual identity. Right. Yeah. And then our society is trying to say to them, um, you may not, you don't know who you are. You have so many options of who you are. And, and then, and frankly, um, sexual identity has become a cultural and political um, point of conflict. And, and it, it seems like the fringes are trying to control the, the normative narrative. And, and so, yes, there are people who um, at a younger age struggle with sexual identity. Yes, there are people who uh, maybe feel that somehow they're trapped in the wrong body. I'm not denying any of that. Right, right, right. And, uh, but to think that's supposed to be the normative conversation with a five-year-old, that's tremendously unhealthy and, and disproportionate to the right. problem. I don't know a five-year-old that's asking that question. I was, I'm not hanging out with a lot of five-year-olds. My <laughs> friends have kids that are, I mean, I think the only five-year-old yeah. I know is, is Joe's son. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting hearing, or in, in, in Brooklyn, it's interesting hearing kind of the, their relationships with their kids and how they teach yeah. it. But, you know, I, it's, it's, uh, I couldn't imagine being five having that conversation, right? Yeah. And going, you know, you, you, you learn about two genders. You learn about, you know, the, 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 what is biological. Right, because now right. we can't teach biology. So that's the challenge is that uh, if you're teaching biology, you're, you're teaching children that every species is born male and female, essentially, and that this is the natural order. And, uh, and Are they teaching that still? See, now I don't know if you're allowed to teach that. And, and so, you know, so now we're teaching sociology instead of biology and calling it biology. Interesting. You know, teaching sociology and calling it science. And, um, and it's not that you don't need to learn sociology, it's that you don't need to learn um, certain aspects of the, um, the challenges that people face at the age of five going, I don't want to confuse this child more. It's hard enough to be five. And if that child, as they're growing, has questions, then you should answer the questions and help that child. And, but you shouldn't be bringing the questions to the child. Hmm. You shouldn't be trying to accelerate that child's sexual awareness, that sexual confusion, that sexual identity. That's the over-sexualization of children and it's dangerous and I think it's unethical. Yeah, the, I would say this, the don't say gay bill, one thing that the bill don't say is don't say gay. I was okay. trying to use a play on words. One of the things that the bill doesn't talk about at all is that you can't say gay in schools. It's just talking about the language and the information that is used from pre-K to seventh grade. No, no, so, not pre-K to, 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 to second grade? No, third grade, I think. Third grade? Third grade, sorry. So I meant seven-year-olds. Yeah, so seven-year-olds. Four-year-olds yeah. to seven-year-olds. Um, you know, a conversation to be had maybe is the exploitation in the media mm -hmm. where it twists and kind of uh, convolutes what is actually being talked about in the bill and it gets labeled in the media. Like, I think it's ironic that, uh, I'm not defending Trump by any means, but Trump would nickname and, and, and bully every opponent he had. Yeah. And that is now, it feels like what the left does with almost every agenda bill, they find a way, like don't say gay is very catchy. It's very headline. It's very clickbaity. You're saying and they took a Trump strategy? Yes. <laughs> saying that I, I really am. And it, and it feels like it's like a, a, a kind of a, 
I don't know. It feels like they're playing. They play really dirty when it comes to like what is truth. Well, what I'd say is that when something like a bill is inherently wrong, you don't have to lie about the bill. Hmm. You don't have to make things up about the bill or exaggerate what the bill is doing. And and so to me, it's like, hey, make your own decisions about this bill, but understand what the bill is. Don't because when I first learned about the bill. I had a very different position. I was angry. Because I was told it was something else by the media. Yes. And, and then when I find out what the bill is, I'm going, wait a minute, this is not what I was told, not what made me mad. Uh, this feels more reasonable. It feels healthier and it feels actually appropriate in terms of protecting children and parents. Yeah. You know, with that said, it, like I want, I want everyone to have human rights. Yeah. You know, and I was angry when I first heard, when I first heard the, when I first heard the headline, I was yeah. angry. Then I started doing research into it. And then I watched an interview with, I think, who is, is it Teddy DeSantis? The one you were showing me? Um, Bill DeSantis. Bill DeSantis. Who's Teddy Santis? DeSantis? Oh, no, Teddy DeSantis, I think is the owner of, is it Kith or Ami Leon Dore? He's one of the, he's a fashion guy, my bad. So DeSantis, the video you showed me, they were being interviewed and he was saying, please show me in the bill where it says, don't say gay. You're actually spinning this in the media to make it so much more political than it than it is. We're trying to protect kids. We're trying to protect their the information that they're consuming at a young age. I back it, and that's not as a conservative as a human being. I, I think I, I don't want anyone focusing on the sexual identity that young. I want them focusing on making friends and learning how to socialize and how to like connect with other people and how to learn how to read. And you know, I think we're so we're so much more worried about teaching kids sexuality than we are teaching kids in America a second language. Mm -hmm. And that bothers me. Yeah, and our children should not be political agendas. No, but they are, and they always will be. Anyway, anyway. we've covered a lot of different things. Oh my goodness, we've been talking for almost an hour. We've been talking for an hour. I think we wrap it up. Oh, and also, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have a few minutes about Batman. Oh yeah, we gotta hit Batman. Yeah. Batman is not Batman anymore. I love Rob, Robert Pattinson. I love him. You loved him even in Twilight. No. Woo! <laughs> I did. I called it. I was like, that guy, going to be a star. Yeah, I called it out when he jumped from the tree in Harry Potter. I wow. Like, oh, I loved Cedric him in Diggory. Harry Potter. He was amazing. He was the only one that died, or the first one to die, first right? First one to die. A lot of people yeah. die at the end. Yeah. Yeah. First one to die. He was great. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. He's not bad as Batman. He's not a bad actor. No, no. This is what I say. What? I say, we know he can play Batman. We have no idea whether he can play Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And I don't know if I put that on him or the script or the director, but I, three hours later, I'm still waiting for them to introduce Bruce Wayne. I was hoping the movie would just switch to Catwoman. She was amazing. I went in loving Rob, not loving Zoe Kravitz. Mm -hmm. Like She's cool, but whatever. And I left being like, I'm going to marry Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> I'm going to find her. At me, girl. Please. She's free now. She's free. She's free? Free. She's not riding the bikes with Channing? Well, maybe they're on a tandem bike, but she could come onto your scooter, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a scooter, but... You have a dirt bike? <laughs> I, have, I did ride... I, ro I rode little pit bikes last night. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was amazing. Okay. And I kept waiting for Bruce Wayne. Okay. And I understand that... Um, who's the director? Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. Reeves, yeah. He wanted to reinvent Bruce Wayne, right? He wanted to pretty much... He like, wanted to get rid of the yeah. Playboy, the Jet Aspect Setter kind of, of yeah. Bruce Wayne. And I'm going, all right, first of all, um, if you want to change the character completely, do a different movie. Because Batman is a very particular character, just like 
Superman is, just like Spider-Man is. Yeah. You should be true to the character that has been developed and written. Secondly, if you're going to change the character, then change the character. Don't just make him invisible because uh, he, he didn't let Bruce Wayne become who he used to be, but he certainly didn't make Bruce Wayne anything that he's going to be. I have no idea who Bruce Wayne is. I don't care. I don't even care. I don't care. I, he lives. He lived in a dark house. He in a dark movie doing dark things, and I just you know when he showed up at the door at the nightclub for the fourth time, you did you notice that Austin? It's like the same scene just from different perspectives. I was like, please, this movie has got to be over. I'm sorry. He felt like a a mopey post quarantine millennial. Yes, and at, <laughs> you know what was crazy is I I loved the opening with the Kurt Cobain. I think it was oh, something I in did the water. too. Yeah, that opening song. I was like, "This is amazing." I didn't think he was actually going to try to play Kurt Cobain as Batman. <laughs> and so, my reviews—that's that, actually the best description I think of Bruce Wayne. It's Kurt Cobain as, as Batman. Batman. And I love me some Nirvana, but I, I don't want it to be. It felt like a weird collab. Yeah, and then and then he rewrites the story of Bruce Wayne's dad. That he was actually not noble. He was corrupt. And DC can't get it right. It's because I, they seem to be a culture without hope. Marvel has hope and DC has despair. And that is the two streams in, from which they write. But they keep making just enough money to stay alive. I was just hoping that- It's because they have some of the greatest characters that have ever been written. And it's crazy. It, this, is, this, is this is what story will do, right? If you love the character, love the story, you will go see Bad Batman. Like This is the third iteration of a Bad Batman. No, it was like the sixth. The only good Batman I think that ever existed was Christian Bale. Yeah, I was going to say, Christian Bale was an amazing Batman. Yes, and Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan, Christian Bale. Yeah, and the original, uh, the first uh, um, Bale one, was it Batman, Batman Begins. Begins? Batman Begins and Dark Knight. To me, that's still the one. They should the delete Batman. the other one off the internet. The third one should go off the internet. The Dark Knight Rises? Dark Knight, Dark Knight. Oh, with Tom Hardy? Yeah, well, with yeah. Tom Hardy who... Is, became so such an obscurity in the movie that he didn't he wasn't even Tom Hardy, which I guess is like an achievement if it's good, but it wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, like Keith Ledger was probably the pinnacle of the Batman experiences, even though it's so dark and tragic, it's hard for me to watch. Yeah. And and then Batman Begins is one of the best origin stories I've ever seen. And ever I seen. love it. And Christian Bale is um, forever an iconic Batman for me. I think Pattinson has a chance of being a great Batman. He just, his story has to be written better. Yeah, I think it's over for him. You think so? I think so? it's over. Oh, I think no. they, he just did a George Clooney. What do you mean? What, See? George, yeah. George Clooney was Batman and he, George, I heard George, George Clooney say, yes, I, I single-handedly destroyed the Batman yeah. <laughs> franchise. It just, the story wasn't there. Zoe Kravitz yeah. was there and her character was awesome and the progression of her character, the story arc, I thought was great. Yeah. It felt like the movie was more for her than it was for him. She had more of an arc than yeah. he did. Um, anyways, see it or don't see it. That's that's your choice. The last thing mm -hmm. I love: Premier League. I love. Uh, I'm a big football fan. Soccer, soccer people, football. That's what I'm talking about. Roman Abramovich was sanctioned by the UK because he's a Russian oligarch. They took away his team, Chelsea, incredible football club that he kind of brought out of obscurity. Obviously, huge fan base, but they were pretty bad before he got there. Poured in hundreds of millions of dollars in transfers and buying players' contracts and renovating and bringing in new things into the club. 
basically put them on a budget, took them away from Roman Abramovich. And the fans have like revolted. They keep chanting Abramovich's name in the stadiums. Did you guys hear about this? So the PM of the Prime Minister of UK came out and said, you have to stop chanting his name. And they keep chanting his name at the stadiums because they loved Abramovich so much. Wait a minute, but how can a prime minister of a free country tell people you cannot say this? Well, I guess he's sanctioning free speech as well. But is it okay. Boris still? No, but he's usually for free speech. Yeah, maybe. Am I am I am I misquoting? This is right. This is correct. Boris. 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 Mr. Mr. B. Wow. Anyways, that's it. It's gotta feel good. I don't know where Abramovich is. They took his boat, took two of his houses. Probably sitting somewhere in Dubai. Israel. He's in Israel? He was last pictured there. That's interesting. Aren't we allies with Israel? We are. So he, he might as well be in... But Israel's also uh, seemed to um, remain allies with Russia as well. Tricky, tricky, huh? Yeah. Someone's always got a cousin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting out of here. Thank you so much for listening to the Bad Ready Podcast. Hit subscribe on YouTube. We actually just we just went over uh, 3,100 subscribers on YouTube. We got to post more videos on there. Absolutely. Let's do it. I think we're going to bring the podcast back multiple times a week. That's what we're hoping for. I want to have more conversations. I want to engage with you guys more. <laughs> we are 10 people away from breaking 10,000 followers on Instagram. All right, come on. Come on. Who's going to go recruit the 10? Which is pretty much my like second account where I just post about you and I do lives every once in a while. <laughs> Who's going to be the extra 10? Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Check out us on the video on YouTube. Uh, you can listen to us on podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, my Spotify reset last week when they got hacked. So it signed me out and I had an old email from when I was like a kid. Mm. And I don't know the password to that email. So I had to start a new <laughs> Spotify. So my playlists are gone. Uh, but go subscribe. Check us out. Rate and review this podcast. We love you so much. Thank you guys. See you next Friday. All right. Take care.